1: right now
0: like right now let's go for it
1: welcome to scrimshaw no jack
0: Jack. welcome to script shop
1: yes welcome to script shop that's that's our way of saying hi to you for the show hi there i'm jack i'm allison uh we've got frank in the show again uh, for this week's show we're frankful we're very frankful people very frankful. Uh, I need to uh, I need to brag a little bit. Yes, please. Because I I had a moment where I feel I felt cool and I don't often feel myself uh, unless like I've convinced myself that something I'm doing is cool. Like yeah. otherwise I don't like really wearing do. your
0: velour jumpsuit.
1: <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> yeah. that's objectively cool. Uh- <laughs> So I was out with some friends uh, the other day, and uh, we were at this bar. And there's a lady that works at the bar, and I I started to of talk to her just casually, mm-hmm. nothing nothing too in depth, but you know, friendly conversation. What bar was this? This was at the at the High Mark. I was hoping uh, it was my bar. Yeah, no, it was at the High Mark. I
0: do love the High Mark, which bar. I love that
1: bar. So we were hanging out there, and uh, just in the course of a casual conversation there, this lady that's working behind the bar goes out of her way to let me know. She goes, "Hey, I'm not sure if you heard this enough, but I wanted to make you aware of this uh, Common is coming to Cincinnati soon." And I was like, well, really? I didn't know that. She's, yeah, he's coming to this theater in northern Kentucky in Covington.
0: Do I need to know who Common is for the rest of this theater? He's a, he's a rapper,
1: actor. Okay. Just, he's in cool. the world. Cool guy. Uh, yeah, extremely cool. Oh,
0: now I need to add him to my
1: need-to-know list. Yes, he's extremely cool. And my whole ego trip on this little story that I'm sharing is that I – she thought I were was cool, cool enough. enough to tell me about this show.
0: Yes, and I yes. was uh,
1: I was stoked about that for did, a while after that. Did you get her number? I did not. Are you
0: going to take her to the show? <laughs> no, what are your plans here? <laughs> this it. is the really important stuff. Tickets are like seventy six
1: dollars. Come stable. on. It was uh, just a very cool uh, thing that somebody thought I was cool enough to tell me about. Hey, do you hear about this Common concert that's coming soon? It was a, that was a neat little moment for me.
0: That's awesome. Is it not cool for you though when people say like? You're Jack Crumley. I've heard you on the radio. I don't. I'm not a fan.
1: I'd rather just. I know you're not. I think
0: it's so much funnier. (laughs) (laughs) For those who are listening and don't know, Jack is on the radio. He works for a great station here in the city. Which thank you so much, um, 700 WLW and iHeartMedia for letting us use the studio for script shop.
1: Um, Which is our podcast about screenwriting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In case you didn't know. So Jack works on the radio. People recognize him in the city all the time. Not all the time. All the time, and he always is like, stop, and I'm like, Jack. You're a vocal
1: celebrity. No, stop. Eat it up. Uh, our guest for this week's show is <laughs> Michael Hale, who wrote a script called Lunch Meat. It
0: is a ten-page, super bad esque roommate romp.
1: Yeah. It is. It yeah. is not
0: my. I'm really. I'm really excited about having the screenplay on the show uh-huh. because this is literally the type of script that I would watch and go, "Oh, oh," or like the younger me before I relaxed a little bit would be like absolutely like the first time i saw super bad i thought it was disgusting oh
1: geez yeah okay i
0: think it's funny now
1: what so what is it you think about you that's changed that you can recognize the humor in this script maybe this
0: is gonna sound so terrible but i think it's honestly my husband (laughs) who's just like pushing boundaries left and right and like teaching me new things and making me relax (laughs) a lot because it's just too hard to like hold my my ideals this high when he's constantly chipping away at them just by being him. <laughs> You're not having
1: any moments marriage. Of, as a mother. <laughs> as a mother, I I mother this
0: is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. No because I read this and I was like this is disgusting and funny. Yeah. This is very funny.
1: This is a this is a, 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 a raunchy romp. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure that Michael's happy to hear us describing it that way because that's got to be about one of the most cliché ways to describe the script uh, as you can come up with.
0: I think it's the most blatantly humorous script we've gotten. Like, I don't think oh. we've had a writer who's gone this far with their humor yet.
1: I could, I could get behind that. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, uh, by the way, if you're uh, listening to us on the Internet, because uh, what other way you can listen to us? The fact that you're on the Internet means you could also be uh, on some social media and you can find us there. Script Shop Show on Facebook, Script Shop Show on Instagram, Script Shop Show on Twitter are all ways that uh, you can find us, follow us, friend us and connect with us. What if we
0: had a stalker? Uh-huh. and the stalker would listen to the show and go online at the same time, and they would take those pictures of us and animate them to look like they're talking.
1: Yeah. Why so are you as putting these ideas in into the us,
0: Then they're talking, and it looks like we're their little friends talking the show at them.
1: Why, we, why would you give birth to this sort of thing? Because now this is a thing that's in people's heads, and it's a, That no. would
0: be scary if someone did that with you. Yeah,
1: it? I don't want to think about that.
0: Yeah. So there's that. You can also... Uh, so you can look us up, scriptshopshow.com, and submit your scripts. Maybe your script is about us,
1: yeah, and maybe, maybe. Let's just, it, let's maybe. get
0: off of that train. Um, your script could be about anything because on Script Shop we love talking to people about the things they love and why they wrote them and what it means to them. So go to ScriptShopShow.com slash submit to send in your stories. And
1: if you want to, uh, if you are a listener of the show and you want to let us know that, that'll bump your script up to the front of the line. If you include the phrase "hot burrito" uh, in any way, that will let us know. And Allison was eating a burrito <laughs> moments ago. I
0: was. It was spicy.
1: That will let us know that you yes! was it a hot one?
0: It was previously, but I let it sit for an hour, so <laughs> I had a hot burrito today. <laughs> We're accomplishing a lot.
1: Yes! That lets us know that you listen to the show, and we would love to give your script a little uh, earlier consideration otherwise, because you're listening to us and we want to read you. Uh, also, we are on Patreon. If you look up Script Shop Show on Patreon, if you're interested in potentially uh, supporting the show financially, that's amazing. And we are so grateful for the uh, support that we are getting from our friends on the show. And uh, thank you for that, even considering it it is an amazing uh, option.
0: Now on to Michael
1: Hale. Now on to Michael Hale, who's been standing by while I talk about bar interactions with people I don't know but make me feel cool. Michael, hi, how are you? Hey, Jack, how are you? What's going on, man? Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Most welcome, most welcome. Hey, Michael, where are you calling us from today? Well, it's weird. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, but right now I am in Cape Cod, Massachusetts.
1: Uh, hey, guys, it's uh, Jack here stepping in at a different time than when we actually recorded the interview. Uh, we had a bit of a technical glitch right then when Michael Hale got introduced in the interview. Uh, we lost a couple of minutes for some weird computer hiccup, but uh, it is going to pick up right after this. And then please stay with us for the rest of the interview. Uh, apologies to Michael for this little bit of a technical snafu. Uh, we believe it's fixed. We are doing our best moving forward. Thank you for listening to the show and uh, sticking with us here on ScriptShopShow.com. Uh, here's the rest of the interview with Michael Hale. How long have you been uh,
2: doing the music thing on a professional level? Well, let's see. Uh, you know, like almost 20 years now.
0: Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. You said that's one of your day jobs.
2: What else What else do you do? I am a college professor. What do you teach? I teach filmmaking. Okay. Ooh, cool. <laughs> that, that, that tracks. This is very cool.
0: Yeah. You're a college filmmaking teachery professor who plays music. Yep. in lots of different. Okay, what are your top three cities?
2: Ooh, you know what? Uh, I love Anchorage, Alaska. Played there a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. You know what? I just maybe it's the romance of it, but I just came back from Brussels in Belgium, mm. and I had a great time. Mm-hmm. Were you out and there great, for the um, Were you out there for the band, or was that just for a trip? No, I was actually I was on a writer's retreat. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won a uh, a mentorship or a fellowship to study with a mentor and the mentor was actually it's a comedy writer who wrote who writes for Disney now and he wrote uh like Rocco's Modern Life and the uh, yeah, Ferb, cool. all kinds of animation like that
1: That's extremely cool. Okay. Wow. So you're I mean you're between uh, musically and, and filmmaking and, and educationally, educationally
0: you're jinx. you're, you're, you're <laughs> uh, I mean
1: you're, that's a that's a that's a very big creative like fountain that's just sort of always pumping in your life,
2: huh? Yeah, yeah, it's not nonstop. I mean, luckily, I get to do what I love, and they pay me a little bit for it. So,
0: pay you enough? Um, at least. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, you know, I want to. There's so much that we're gonna want to know about your life. Yeah. but While you brought up the this writer's retreat, could you tell us? Like, did you have any revelations or writing learnings or anything new that kind of cropped up in your
2: mind from going on that trip in relation to your writing? Okay, well, I'm b- I'm about to blow your mind. It actually takes place inside a castle in the south of France. Uh, uh, gosh. Of course, it does. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> that's great. Very by the <laughs> manager of the police and all these other bands. Uh, um. Yeah. It was. It was. You know, about six days of just chilling. Private chef. You know, tons of other great writers. I mean. And Other you, than my mentor, there were three others that are super accomplished. You said you won something to to get out there for this. Yeah, a little. I sent them a, a little piece of my writing, and they said, "Hey, we're going to give you a little bit of a scholarship." So I still had to pay a little bit, but it was worth every penny.
1: That's incredible.
0: Yeah. Did you send them? Uh, you did. Did you send them lunch meat? Actually, I did <laughs> not. Because <send them. laughs> I was about to be like, "Wait a second! <laughs> How did you get invited to a so castle good. in Brussels?" Not knocking lunch meat or anything, but like that doesn't seem like the most castle-friendly.
2: Yeah, they're not letting me in with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I can just see you standing up in the room of people going around. Hi, I'm so and so, and I worked on this, and it gets to you. And Hi, I'm so. I'm Michael Hale. I wrote a script called Lunch Meat, where at one point there's a dog licking pubic hair off someone's face. <laughs>
2: Yep. That's so good. I and love they, that. Are you kidding they, me? I, they would just put me in the moat at that point <laughs> or the dungeon. Oh, I love that. that.
0: Well, it sounds like you write a lot of different stuff. So could you tell us a little bit about the things that you enjoy writing?
2: Um, you know, mostly I do like kind of dark indie dramas. That's that's usually when I write a feature, it's a dark drama. And then usually when I write a short, it's like a G-rated Pixar style feel good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lunch Meat is my only straight up kind of like Judd Apatow style raunchy comedy. Mm-hmm.
1: So if you're talking about a, a dark feature, dark meaning violent, dark meaning psychological, uh, you know, how dark, um, what kind of dark are we talk
2: Just Dark in just human nature sense, not particularly, you know, psychological or violent, but just the dark side of human nature in that bad things happen to good people. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And what about your Pixar stuff? You say, you know, your shorts are a little bit cuter and a little more friendly.
2: Yeah. I just, you know, just like a Pixar short, you see it before. Before Up, you know, mm-hmm. I like to write those kind of things. Yeah. Just the, the polar opposite co- comedy from Lunch Meat. <laughs>
1: no kidding. <laughs> but, I mean, but between those three kinds of things right there, something that's dark and you know, about, you know, the bad things happening to good people and then friendly animated style sort of stories and then something that's like this, that's, I mean, you're covering three big categories. You're, you're, you've you got a good breadth of, of work that you're capable of creating.
2: I, I try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. When did you start writing, actually? Uh, that's a good question. I went to when I was getting my undergraduate. I got my undergrad in English with a minor in film. And the screenwriting professor there wrote for Dawson's Creek and also Disney's Tarzan and some things.
1: Hmm.
2: And so I just started writing then. So that was about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been writing piecemeal for, ever since. So, so you I've been were, writing for about 10 years.
1: So you were doing the musical uh, as far as some, some sort of paid music thing before that. And then the writing started figuring into things after.
2: Yeah. And then going to film school it wasn't for like five more years after that. Mm-hmm. I had never even owned a camera before. I was like, you know what? I love movies. I love writing. I need to make these movies. So I need to go to film school. Not that you need to go to film school for anything, but, but you wanted to
0: learn.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then that, but that, Plus, that, you that's, that's,
2: teach without going, so I wanted to teach as well. There you go.
1: And then that, but that's a big change though, right? The idea of going from, well, this is something I like to actually formally starting to work for, uh, uh, apply yourself in some kind of educational academic way. That's, that's a big life change.
2: Yeah. I had to take a year off of playing, which was, which was hard, but, you know,
1: do what you got to do. Was there a specific motivating thing that made you want to finally just take the leap into like formally learning the, the, the craft of making film?
2: You know, I took uh, like a three-week summer film class at the New York Film Academy, and I was like, you know what, I don't suck at this. I should get my master's right now, and that's what I did. Like a month later, I was enrolled.
0: Well, that experience must have been very exciting then. Oh, it was life-changing,
2: just as you said. What university did you go to? I went to Kennesaw State University for my undergrad, and then I went to Full Sail for my master's.
1: Okay, I've heard of Full Sail. I know for a while there they were really uh, promoting the, uh, the media program and the film studies program that they have. That's in Florida, right?
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. I think they, they started out in Ohio, I believe. Uh, that that really? sounds familiar, yeah. Well, that
0: makes sense. They must be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you started your work writing about 10 years ago. You jumped right into filmmaking. I'm I'm certain at this point then that you've cut your teeth on producing and directing work, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yep, yep uh being a you know musician of some stature i get tons and tons of calls to do music videos and band promo videos oh yeah i'm tired of doing them there's just so like every month there's a new band promo it's like please come make us look good i'm like okay i can make you look cool but i don't know if i can make you look good
1: is there much writing involved with that or is that more of being on the producing side and on the directing side of things
2: That's more producing, directing. I kind of, I like to do a documentary style. So it's just, I let them go with it and I just find what aspects of them are unique. Mm -hmm. And I try to convey that to the audience. Mm -hmm.
1: And I would think that you've got a pretty good eye for it since you're, you've been involved in some level of professional musicianship for a while. You, I mean, you're not just some, you're not just a film person. You've got a musical background so you can recognize certain things.
2: Yep, Absolutely.
0: When you start writing stories, like the narrative stuff that you do, how do
2: ideas usually come to you? Um, Actually, I get a bulk of my ideas just from staring out the window of the van when we're on tour. I just – somebody else is driving, <laughs> and I stare out the window and just let it go. <laughs> so I try to do all my pre-writing in my head. Yeah. That way when I get to the computer, it's pretty quick.
1: And are you building, like when the pre-writing that's in your head, are you coming up with just individual characters and trying to figure out where they would fit into a given story? Or is there a certain story that you want to tell first and then figuring out what the characters are from there? What's your sort of process on that?
2: I don't know if there is a process. It's just sometimes it's characters. Sometimes it's I want to tell a story in this way. Sometimes it might just be a title that I like. It's like, this is a good title. I'm going to make a movie. And, for example, lunch meat. That was just written around two words. (laughs) Yeah. And you can probably know the two words if you've read the script.
0: (laughs) So, listeners, if you're tuning in, you should definitely get online and check out Lunch Meat. It is completely irreverent, um, which I think is, like, one of the nicest ways of saying – it's hard to, like, capture really the blatant comedy that's here.
1: What what is it? What do you feel like, uh, Michael? That you were sort of going for when you were writing Lunch Meat? You, I mean, it was a. Uh, what was the process on this? Were you coming up with individual characters like Wes and Glenn that we have in this script, or was it? I want to tell a story about a couple of guys where the one guy wants to break up with his girlfriend.
2: Yes, I actually don't remember that. All I knew is I had this punchline to a joke, and I needed to create characters to tell this one joke. So this whole ten pages is just for one joke that happens in the middle of the screenplay.
1: Okay, which joke is that?
2: Well, the, the two words that sparked the entire screenplay, what, what do you think the two words were?
0: Lunch meat.
1: Well, I mean, it's, I mean it, it's, no, no. he comes out, the, there's a guy that's in the kitchen who comes out with a, with a piece of ham or a piece of turkey that's <laughs> over his front. And, yep. I mean, he, and he's sort of dancing around doing the, doing the wild horses thing with, from uh, Silence, uh,
2: of Silence of the Lambs. Of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it in that section there? So I was right before that. I uh, I was talking to a friend, and they were describing. This is actually a friend in Alaska. Is, is what it, they call uh, go what for they it. call uh, beef curtains mm-hmm. in Alaska <laughs> is they say I'm thinking Arby's, you know, because of the roast beef. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I need to come up with a synonym that's better than that right now. And so I did. And steak that was, drapes.
1: Steak drapes.
2: Steak right. drapes.
0: That's good. There okay. it is. It's on page four. Steak <laughs> drapes, beef curtains. Does her labia yeah. stretch past her kneecaps?
1: <laughs> so this, this so this whole script was just centered around you wanting to deliver that joke. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. So talk us through this process. You've got this. So the next thing is you saying, who are the kinds of people that would say steak drapes, beef curtains?
2: Yeah. Well, the, the Keith character, the one who, who does it and says it, kind of based on a friend of mine who was an actor who was in Walking Dead. And... I pictured him. He's like the perfect mental image of this character. Mm -hmm. And now I have to think of like who would be friends or at least associate with this guy because he's an eccentric guy. So kind of, you know, a stoner will hang out with an eccentric. And then Glenn, the pseudo main character, he's a guy early 20s that just doesn't know who he is yet, as most early 20-somethings don't. So he would kind of hang out with Keith. Even though he's kind of forced to in the screenplay.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've got your three characters forming, and the next thing you do is say, "What kind of situation can we get them into where the phrase steak drapes would come up?"
2: Yes, absolutely. As, I mean, that's commonplace. Everyone needs to think about that when they're I mean, <laughs> get together at their house. Yeah, sure. Where can I work this in?
1: <laughs> and then from that, then is that how the idea of Glenn wanting to break up with his girlfriend sort of took root?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I just. It all came out in my head and just typed it up real quick. Boom. Success. Wild yeah. Mildly. Wild.
0: Oscars. Oscars <laughs> I think, everywhere.
2: <laughs> I, I think
1: we ought to read, because uh, we're going to read from the beginning of the script, and this I think will give people uh, a, a bit of, I don't even want to say the word flavor, of, get a, give, give people an idea of...
0: Flavor! I didn't
1: want to say it! <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I don't mean to be so gauche. Uh, but that will give people sort of a vibe of uh, how this thing starts and what we're sort of building up to as we go on here. So, uh, Michael, if you want to just hang on a minute, we're going to get a, put your words into people's ears. Awesome. Hang on.
0: All right, listeners, if you are following along, we're going to start from the beginning of the script, um, script page one. Uh, today I'm going to be doing all of the action headings. Jack is going to be reading for the character of Glenn, and Frank is going to be reading for the character of Wes. What's up,
1: Frank? Are you excited to play Wes? Totally stoked.
0: <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Awesome. All right, you guys ready? hmm Interior, Wes's apartment. Living room, day. Wes, 20s, shaggy-haired and shirtless, sits on a stained couch and plays a video game. He is surrounded by a haze of marijuana smoke. There is a knock on the front door. Wes pauses the game, puts down the controller, and picks up a slice of pizza. He ambles toward the door. The pizza falls face first onto the dirty floor. Interior, exterior, Wes's apartment, day. Glenn, 20s, knocks on the door. His long, unkept hair offsets the brand-new polo shirt and khaki pants he is wearing. Wes whips open the door. Dirty pizza hangs in his mouth.
1: My life is over.
2: Awesome. Come on in.
0: Glenn slinks inside. Interior, Wes's apartment, living room, day. Glenn and Wes take seats on the couch.
2: So what's up? She is
1: sucking the soul from my very bones. Who is? Amanda. Wes gives a questioning look and inhales some pizza. My girlfriend. Girlfriend? Yeah, Amanda, my girlfriend. We've been dating for eight months. You've met her like half a dozen times. She's been to this apartment. Wes takes a hit off a barn and shakes his head. You looked up her skirt and saw her panties.
2: Oh, yeah. Nice girl.
1: No, she isn't. She is relentless. Nags nonstop. Look at these clothes that I'm wearing. It's, it's like I'm her own personal Kendall.
2: Does she at least rub the flesh-colored smooth part between your legs?
1: No, not unless I act in a manner deemed socially acceptable by a committee of our peers. What the fuck does that mean? I don't know. The
0: sound of clanging pots comes from the kitchen. Lynn jumps in his seat. Wes stares blankly.
1: Is someone in there? Yeah, my new roommate. When did you get a new roommate? Like,
2: a week ago? A month ago?
0: A series of grunts and gurgles emerge from the
1: kitchen.
2: Is it human? I think that's his dog. You hate dogs.
1: You're always stepping in the poop.
2: No, not this one. Keith trained it to eat its own shit. He calls it the perfect machine because it's fueled by its own waste.
0: Glenn is appalled. Wes takes another hit from the bong. Glenn's cell phone rings. He digs it out of his pants pocket, looks at the collar ID and size. He answers,
1: "Hey, Amanda."
0: Wes coughs violently from <laughs> the marijuana smoke.
1: All right, and in the scene.
0: scene. So, that's, <laughs> that,
1: that's how that's how Michael that's how you're, you're starting it out. It, so how much of this is other than having this joke and then building it from there? It, are, are are certain people based on certain people? Are these real conversations that yeah. you had?
2: No, I did I did hang out with a lot of pothead stoner musicians in my time but uh it could be an amalgamation of a bunch of different guitar players
0: just general exposure to the to the person yeah. <laughs>
1: What is it? Is there anything in a script like this where it, the the humor is much more upfront, uh, and it, it, it's you're you're trying to be funny on purpose, as opposed to maybe trying to tell a certain story that has humor as an element to it? Is there uh, creatively? What is it that you're uh, getting out of it, or feel like you're you're sort of exercising in in a script like this?
2: Well, that's a good question. I would say just my ability to, to to sell a joke and to try different jokes. This is probably my fourth draft, I think, and just put different jokes in, let people read it, check it out, maybe do a table read. I've done a couple table reads just at different points just to see how it flows. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of, you know, the story's kind of there, and now it's just fine-tuning the, the jokes, the comedy. Well, especially a story like this is a, a universal
0: simple story. Guy yeah. feels dominated by his girlfriend, wants to break up with her, enlists his friends to help. So then it's all about the jokes, then it's all about what you do with the comedy and the humor and then what that says about who these people are.
2: Yeah. And I'm sorry, sorry, we couldn't read the end because that's, I think my favorite joke is. The second-to-last line that Keith gets to yell. Yell.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, so we probably ought to at least give some people the the, the broad strokes of this. So, Wes is going on about how he can't be in this relationship anymore, and he's begging Wes to help him out. And so, Wes also has this new roommate named Keith who's got a dog that eats its own leavings. The dog is called the Perfect Machine, which is a really good name for a really awful idea. Yeah. (laughs) And so...
0: He, it's like the human centipede. Oh, God. Right? God, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, yeah, With
1: one segment to it. <laughs> oh, Lord. So uh, so he, Glenn's trying to get help from anybody to try to get some ideas on how to break up with this girl. But everyone's just sort of, you know, futzing around because they're just hanging out and nobody's really trying all that hard. Amanda shows up at the apartment. Yeah. And that's when Glenn, with really without the help of anybody else, just starts going off on her about the fact that I can't do this anymore. I don't want to keep doing this. And there was an interaction that Amanda has with the dog just before this where the, I don't even. The dog
0: ate some lunch meat that had been on Keith's testicles. Right. Lunch meat is covered in pubic hair. Dog has pubic hair on tongue. Dog licks Amanda's face. Right. She's covered in pubic hair. She gets broken up with. She loses her shit. Everybody starts screaming and enjoying themselves. (laughs) The guys are having
2: a blast. She's out.
1: Yeah, Mike, does that sound about right?
2: (laughs) That is poignant. (laughs) Just breaking the bullet points of the story, and it's perfect.
0: Yeah. Uh I I do think it's funny that the dudes at the end are like, you know, they they have to be enjoying themselves at this point. We do have Keith saying, stupid? He just ate a big pile of his own shit. You call that stupid? Right. Which is hysterical. And, uh, you know, they're all (laughs) just going up, going off on her. A little bit. It's just like, it's it's like pow, 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 pow.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how to say this any other way than Glenn as a character is a total coward, right?
2: Yeah, at first
1: for sure. Yeah, but I mean even but like I mean I, from uh, from my perspective of reading the story he's he's shown up at his buddy's place and he's going on about what a terrible girlfriend he's got and he needs their help to try to break up with her because he's miserable and he can he can't take it anymore. But in terms of what we as an audience get from Amanda when she first shows she up. She likes the dog. That's she, nice. She, she, she compliments his clothing, which admittedly that's her doing, these new clothes that he has. Yeah. She's friendly and happy to see the dog. There's maybe a little bit where she's a little self-absorbed when it comes to his hair and how she needs to take him to this stylist of hers because look at my hair and that this will help you out. And so we, we've got some evidence that she's maybe trying to make some changes in this guy's life That they don't necessarily sound like they're changes that are all that awful. I don't know why she's so terrible because I, I just think Glenn just doesn't want to be in a relationship anymore
2: yeah i mean we're all we're hearing really is just glenn's perspective and glenn's narrative of it maybe maybe she's a perfectly decent person right yeah that's but, the heart like, was that intentional then having it be ambiguous about her that way no because i've like i haven't written it but i have various care like plot points to turn this into a feature, and she very much is turns out to be a bad person. Yes. Oh,
1: okay. okay.
0: Yes. Fun. I like the idea of this as an extended story.
1: So in, in the extended story that you've got in your head or that you're working on, how bigger does the story get?
2: It's, uh, well, you know, they, they they rally. They go out for the night, go to, go to a club. Of course, Keith has to bring his dog because it's a quote-unquote therapy dog. Okay. Even though he can't prove it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and then they meet, he meets another girl. Uh, Glenn meets, you know, the perfect version of a girl to him. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Amanda is there just in the background, kind of spying on him a little bit. Okay. And then other than jokes and some scenes, I actually don't have much from there. Yeah, that's a start. Yeah, that's the beginning
1: of something.
2: So this is is Glenn's story, then, for you overall? Uh, I would say it's all three of theirs. But definitely Glenn was the the main guy at first because I've, of the three of them, I can only relate to Glenn in what I've done and how I feel.
1: Okay. Yeah. So. And, and he, at least as far as what we have right here, and it sounds like even from what you've described so far, Glenn is the, only, is the only one right now that has any sense of an arc, depending on what else you would build out in a, in a longer version of the story. Yes, exactly. Okay.
0: So I have a question just about writing this style of comedy. Mm-hmm. Is there ever any kind of worry that you're going to give the script to somebody and they're going to be like, this is disgusting. You can't make this. You can't have a guide carrying around a therapy dog without the – that's offensive. Like what is that – do you ever think about that or what
2: does that feel like to you? Well, I mean I – you can't think about that. If you want to go for comedy – and that's the thing right now is – Uh, you know, comedians can't play colleges right now. There are no college tours of comedians because the audience will actually boo them due to PC-ness. So I just, you know, I'll put it out there, and if they like it, awesome. If they don't like it, that's cool too. You know, I don't have any problem with people not liking it because they're offended. But the whole point of comedy to me is you have to offend somebody. Otherwise, it's not going to be funny. Mm But just the inherent nature
0: of having a perspective and, like, being clear about that and voicing it is going to be offensive to someone. People are different. You know, there's a lot of diversity in the world.
2: I mean, I used a drinking straw today. Somebody's going to be offended about that. That's that's okay. (laughs) It was recyclable, though, so, Mm -hmm. you know, I tried.
0: Um, How do you feel about this script, you know, now that you've done this short version of it? You said that uh, this is the only one you've done like this. Was it fun for you to write do you want to continue on with the feature or more in this style?
2: Oh, absolutely. Because it's, you know, it could be made cheaply and the return could be could be awesome as long as not that many people are offended or more offense, the better.
1: Yeah, I mean, this a story like this, if it, if it hits into a vein that people, uh, you know, you get sort of that taboo word of mouth, like, oh, man, you got to check out the new, you know, R-rated comedy, whatever, that could be that could absolutely hit.
2: Absolutely. Do you, but that's not my driving goal is to you know, make a hit comedy. Like I said, I like indie dramas that probably cost under a million to make and will maybe make a few hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: um, do you have any current production plans on this project? Or if you have anything else, we'd love to hear about that as well.
2: Um, yeah. Well, I've actually I've cast it and I, it oh. took me a long time Yay. to find the dog. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Finding the dog was the hard part. So now it's just uh, location. Where did you
0: end up getting the dog from then? Or how? what was that like?
2: It. it, it we had to wait for uh, a friend of mine, a st- cinematographer, his cousin, like, moved to Atlanta, and he just had the perfect dog. I mean, we were just going around asking random people that we saw with Bulldogs. Like, could, could we use your dog in this film? Before you say yes, let me send you the script, you might say no. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. And, and most did. <laughs> so we just got lucky. It was serendipitous that his – cousin moved back to atlanta
1: mm-hmm. one of the things i thought of when i was reading this and thinking about you know how a production on this would work and of course anytime you start having an animal that you need to do specific things that makes the production you know that much more challenging it's one more thing to worry about and uh, it occurred to me that it may be easier was there ever consideration of doing this in some kind of animated way as opposed to a, a live action with a real dog
2: you know i've, I've never thought about it an animated uh a, friend of mine in the theater world suggested you make it into a a show and just have a puppet play the dog mm. oh that's interesting and, and, and that's a little wacky I kind of like that
0: mm-hmm. that is wacky
1: and it'd be cheaper than tend to try to animate a, a whole, 10, a whole 10, ten pages or a feature or whatever yeah.
2: yeah absolutely I mean the only thing easy to draw would be the pubes <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. uh, so you're you've cast Uh, everybody's cast you've got your dog working on locations it really sounds like you're moving right along with this
2: yeah we try just you know things keep getting in the way you know gigs and going to europe not that i'm complaining but (laughs) i'm just going with the flow artistically just seeing what happens yeah
0: you know if you're living the life then don't disrupt that yeah there's no time frame on getting stuff done for the most part if it's your own work at the very least
2: yeah,
1: that's is, a good point. Is this easier to produce in like a summertime situation as opposed to when maybe classes are going on and you have one more thing to worry about in like the fall or the spring?
2: Well, I'm, I'm lucky. I've been there for a, a couple of years now, so now it's just I'm teaching the same courses again. So I just go through my notes and be like, oh, I, I taught that on this day. I'll, I can do that again. <laughs> Even though I try to tailor it a little bit each for each class based on you know the students and their needs, but I've. I have a little bit of a grasp of what I'm doing teaching, so I feel confident there.
1: Okay, well, so th- you know, that makes me think of an interesting thing. How much do, I, I don't want to do the cliche, well, I'm learning from them just as much as they're learning from me, but in terms of influence, I mean, you written a script here about uh, some 20-somethings that are, you know, maybe not that active right now or whatever, they're, they're still figuring things out. Uh, amongst your students, it, has there ever been an influence of uh, interaction with them or them helping shape a,
2: a work that you're creating? Um, probably not my college kids, but I neglected to tell you I also teach an after-school program for elementary school kids mm-hmm. filmmaking. So I have a couple, you know, of my PG things, you know, my, my PG-esque shorts that's based a little bit about some of these, you know, ten-year-olds that I teach filmmaking to. Wow, was you know, that a program school, you started? No, it's it's a small program called Kids TV in Atlanta, where you know just after-school. You know we give them cameras, actual you know DSLRs, nothing cheap. So, mm-hmm. so, so we're a little careful if it breaks. but and then you know for an hour and a half, once a week, we're we're writing, we're producing, directing, filming it. Not all classes do the editing, but some do, and I get to teach that.
1: That's extremely cool. like and, and you get you get to see these kids like you know learn how to do this stuff for the first time, you get to see them really light up in, in when it comes to filmmaking.
2: Yeah, Well, you'd be surprised. A lot of them have YouTube channels already. Oh, they, wow. What's I don't even hell? have to teach them how to edit. They just pull up iMovie and go. Wow. Well,
1: that's cool. What is What was it that got you involved in that uh, organization?
2: Oh, okay, that's a little bit of a story. So the very first thing I worked on when I got into – you know, film production. A buddy of mine wrote a script, a horror comedy about a killer mob from hell. Okay. And so he sent me the script and, you know, he's not a professional writer. So I I re-typed it up for him, you know, in the correct format and punched it up a little bit, sent it to him. He loved it. And he's like, I want you to score this. So I'm like, great, great. He calls me up the next day. "Uh, Hey, we're filming today. Why don't you come out? I was like, okay, cool. I'll come watch as soon as I walk in the door. By the way, you're going to play the mop. Like, yeah, what? Sure. I've never done puppeteering or anything like this before in my life. He's like, just get on the ground and hold the mop. Mm-hmm. So I did, you know, I bounced it around. It's got, you know, blood coming off it because it's a killer mop from hell. And I'm attacking this actor with it. It was, it was a blast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. A killer then, mop from and hell. And then, you know, it was, we edited it. It was finished. And ironically, I didn't even get to score it, which was <sighs> what I was brought on to do in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But you know, it turned out really well. It went into dozens of film festivals. It got some minor distribution. I got to go to uh, some regional film festivals and speak about it. It's a great time, Mm -hmm. and that was the first thing I ever did.
1: And then that led film school. And then that led to this after-school program.
2: (laughs) So the actress on that was dating the boss of the after-school program at one time. Okay.
0: the connections
1: you don't know you're going to get i mean that's like, a that's, <laughs> that's a huge really thing cool. any kind of networking and doing something like this whether you're talking meeting kids in an after school program and years later they could come back to you and say hey i'm working on this thing or the kids you have in school now right. or even uh, the, the connections you're making with the music people as far as networking goes you 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 got a lot of plates spinning man
2: oh yeah thank you thank you and i've you know played for some killer musicians or played with some killer ones opened up for a uh, Blue's Traveler, 30 Seconds to Mars, John Mayer, uh, The the Four Tops and The Temptations, and all over the place. That's awesome. Well,
0: in terms of networking, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you about your work, about this hilarious screenplay, then what's the best way for them to do that?
2: The best way is by email, michaelhalefilm at gmail.com. hmm. Cool.
0: We'll make sure to have that up online in case anybody wants to get in touch with you about this screenplay.
1: Yeah. Michael, thank you so much for sending us your work and taking the time to talk to us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Enjoy Cape Cod. Thank you. Thank you. I will. All right. uh, That's Michael.
0: Maybe his... Um, top three favorite cities: Cincinnati. He just knew that we would just know it. So
1: I think he feel he might feel you like know. if he said that, that would be like pandering.
0: <laughs> that, we, that he's just like he's got to be better than that. I mean, you, you are be- a radio personality, so <laughs> you know you are worth impressing. <laughs> <laughs> no, <at> <laughs> uh,
1: If you've written something that you'd like to impress us with, you can uh, send oh. it to us by sending it, getting on to dot com slash submit. And uh, please send us your work. We want to read it. We want to talk to you about it.
0: We would love to hear from you. So please, please, please send it on in. You can also. Uh, Check us out at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Script Shop Show on all of those mediums. I am at your bestie, Westie.
1: And on Twitter, I am at ScriptShopJack.
0: And we'd love to continue the conversation with you there.
1: Yes, please. If you're uh, listening to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave us a review. Uh, tell a friend about it. We'd love Get the word out about the show if you like it. We would love to be able to grow this baby as big as we can.
0: The biggest baby in the Midwest. I'm the big baby. <laughs> I'm your podcast radio.
1: That's the voice I'm doing forever now. Jack,
0: why are you putting that into the world? I'm <laughs> a big
1: baby. So uh, the spirit movement.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us, friend.